I am so glad that you're here. We are in the middle of a series called Renew. We believe God has given us this topic of renew. We're praying that God will renew. Today becomes the sixth, the sixth message in this series on renew, that God's renewing things in our life. Today, I want to talk to you about renewing our worship. It's important. We have a heart renewal about worship. Does anyone talk to their dogs the way I do? Come on now. You know what I'm talking about? Seriously, I talk to my dogs all the time. Matter of fact, I made this post the other day when I was talking to my dogs to see how smart they were, and I asked them, I was like, Harlow, Molly, what's two minus two? And they said nothing. They got it right. Come on now. They just smart. Really, really smart. Really, really smart. And I find myself, if no one's there, I'm talking to my dogs like they can understand everything I say. And to be honest, my dogs know about 10 words. They understand about 10 words. And most of it has to do with snacks, food, and potty. Everything else, they don't really get, okay? They don't really get too much. And, but I talk to them like they can understand. Am I the only one that does that? I, I talk to my dogs like they can understand every single thing I'm saying. And you do the same thing. And could it be that we talk to people, even like the dogs, because we were never made to live alone. We're never made to do life alone. We were made to connect one with each other. That we need each other in this room. We need each other greatly. And you need each other. And we need other people involved in our life. We were designed to connect. I read the other day that 50% of people say that they are feel lonely some or all of the time. Half the people have times they're feeling lonely, and many of them all the time feel lonely. Look at this statement the other day. It's going to blow your mind. Look at this. The World Health Organization has declared loneliness to be a pressing global health threat. And they're backing this up by the U.S. Surgeon General saying that it is mortality effects are equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. So when you're walking around feeling lonely, it's taking days, months, and even years off of your life. Why? Because we were never designed to be alone. None of us here were ever, well, pastor, I like being alone. That's okay. You may like it, and you may even prefer it, but you were never created to be alone. We need each other. It's important that we understand this. Gallup did a poll on loneliness, which they do all the time, and they found out during COVID when we had the shutdown and people were isolated, that loneliness reached an all-time high in the history of polling on loneliness. Why? Because we were all of a sudden, we can't, we can't go anywhere. We can't do anything. And people are isolated, and loneliness went up. Matter of fact, they say that there was probably more illness and things, mental health issues, and as a result of the shutdown than the actual virus itself. That it was actually causing a lot more side effects because people were being lonely. And if we're being very honest today, we can say that the digital age is creating this on a rapid pace in our generation 
and the, our next generation coming is seen even at a greater institute. The next generation is suffering more mental health problems because they are finding out that they are isolation is not good for them. And so you may say you're connected because you have the internet, but you're not connected just because you have internet or Wi-Fi. You're only connected when you have relationships. That's the way God designed us to live. Could I tell you this? That they found out that there was one group during COVID when they tested loneliness. There was only one group of people that actually did not fall in their loneliness percentage. Want to know who that group was? Yeah, come on now. Think about it. It was this. It says it was all those who attended at least weekly some type of religious worship services. They didn't actually fall in loneliness category. Why? Because they stayed connected. This is why, can I just tell you, this is why I'm against the push now we're seeing, there's a lot of national brand churches pushing that you can join our church online. Listen, online church is great, but it was never made or intended to take the place of attending church in person. I met a beautiful lady this morning who told me, I I've been watching you online and I came here today to check the church out. I said, awesome, I'm so glad you're here. And that's what online church is for, for people who can check you out and say, I, I want to come and, and see. I, I heard, oh, I like what I've seen. I like what I heard. I want to come and check you out. Online church is for those who have been sick, who are physically unable to come. They can at least feel like they are able to connect with us online. It's for those who are working or those who are on vacation. They can at least connect. It's for those who are cooking on Tuesday and said, I want to rewatch the service. That was good. I want to hear it again. That's what it's for. It was never made or intended to replace going to church. I, I know too many people that either went here or I have friends that live out of state who made a post the other day. person who was very much involved in church heavily all their life. He was bragging. He said, you know what? I'm, I'm cleaning my garage today while I'm watching church. I was able to attend church in my garage while I was cleaning out my garage. And I thought, no, no, you're missing it, dude. You're missing it. You had so much to give the church. You've given the church so much, and now you've taken a back seat and you reduce church to listening as you're cleaning the garage. What a tragic case. We were never meant to go and to have church reduced to an online experience. It's only there to enhance. It's only there to build. It's only there to entice. It's only there for people to sample. It's only there to fill in the gap for those who can't physically be here. But God has always ordained that we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. God has always said there's strength in numbers. God has always said there's blessing in the numbers who praise me together. Where two of three are gathered in my name. I'm going to be there is what God says. Look around you today. There's more than two or three here. God is in the house. The glory of the Lord is in the house. Today, you need it. I need it. We've got to recommit ourselves to worship. It's got to be a priority. It's got to be. Say, Pastor, why is that? Because we are seeing something happen. We are on the verge of seeing the next generation lose out on the importance of 
being in the house for worship. It's important. If we don't do it, our children are less, getting less and less and less, and pretty soon church will be reduced in the next generation to a 60-second highlight reel. They'll get church from a 60-second highlight reel. Oh, I'm following this guy. I'm following this guy. I'm following this guy in North Carolina. I'm following this guy in Tulsa. I'm following this guy in California. Woo! Wait, they're good. They're good. You just heard 60 seconds and thought you'd been to church. No. You didn't serve there. You didn't give there. You didn't worship there. When you die, they ain't going to show up and do your funeral. They won't even know who you are. Come on now. You got you to connect. God has made us to be a part of worshiping together. This is where we thrive. This is where we live. This is where God has designed us all to grow. We got to recommit ourselves to in-person worship. We are all influenced by the people we hang around, correct? Isn't that so true? How many of us have ever told our children, be careful who you hang around? You become around those you, well, you come like those you hang around. Hang around trouble, you'll be trouble, right? Hang around those that are in trouble, you're going to be in trouble. But how many of us preach that to our kids, but don't apply it to our own life as adults? Well, I'm an adult now. Just saying, we can't help but be influenced by the people we surround ourselves with. It's just going to happen. And so this is why attending in church becomes so important because you need positive peer pressure to help you. You know what? I've got to learn to be faithful. I've got to learn to be a better husband. I've got to learn to be a better wife. I've got to learn how to follow God better. I've got to learn how to operate in faith. I've got to learn how to give and not be selfish. I've got to learn how to serve. I've got to learn how I can be a part of a community. It becomes positive peer pressure in my life. We need that. We're going to turn our attention now back to the last prayer. We started looking at this two weeks ago. Let's go back to it again today. It's Jesus' last prayer before his crucifixion, the night before. Look what he says in John 17, verses 1 through 3. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can what? Let's say it together. Give glory back to you. Why does God give us glory? to give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. We see where Jesus said in this last prayer, and you go on to read it, he says, this is the way. This is the way to know God and to make him known, to receive his glory and to give his glory back. Can I just tell you, church, if we're gonna be a church like Jesus prayed about in that last prayer, we're going to have to be a church that houses the glory of the Lord. We got to be a church where the glory of the Lord is here. We got to be a church where the glory of the Lord is welcome. We got to be a church where people can feel the glory of the Lord. People can see the glory of the Lord. People hunger and are passionate about the glory of the Lord. Why? Because where the glory's at, there is change. There is healing. There is people changing their mind, changing their marriage. People are seeing their lives radically change where there is the glory. We got to understand this. God is wanting us 
to say this, that we've got to seek the glory. What is the glory? Is to make God known. That's what the glory is for. The glory we just read is to make God known. So write this down. If we're going to come to church like we prayed about, that Jesus prayed about in his last prayer, we need to make God famous. We need to make God famous. We all know people by one name. We all know certain famous people by one name. If I say The Rock, who is that? Come on now. You know what The Rock's got cooking this morning. Come on now. One name. If I, if I say Denzel, you say? If I say Taylor, you say? Oh, you Swifties, come on now. If I say, if I say Usher, you say? Halftime show. All right, I know you ladies were there. I was watching you. All you moms. Get your eyes on Jesus this morning. Come on now. You guys need Jesus. All right. Fame. Well, there's a lot of people that have fame today. And can I tell you that fame in itself is, think about it, it's relatively just kind of a new concept. If you take it through the history of time, up until about the last 50 to maybe 100 years, fame was not like it is now. You know, there's people who were famous, but most of the time they were famous, it was after they were dead. And their story lived on and it gained momentum after they died. But there was very few people who had real fame up until the electronic age. Now, through printed media and then through uh, TV and now through social media, everybody's exploding. There's a lot of people exploding with fame. And when you think about it, Almost everybody I know who becomes famous, it almost destroys their life or does destroy their life. So many people talk about the price of fame. And they say, I wanted it, I got it, wish I didn't have it. It made me miserable. It made me a prisoner in my own home. It made me, you know, I hated it. Now everybody wants something from me. Now everybody's after me. I have no time to myself. I can't go nowhere. Everybody wants just something from me. Uh, it's exhausting. And it destroys so many people's lives. And we've all seen the stories and have seen it. It's there. We could be here all day talking about stories where fame ruined people's lives. Could I propose something to you today? Why is that? Because could it be we were never designed to be famous? God never designed you or me to be famous. That's why when fame comes our way, it, it crumbles so many people. It, it hurts so many people. The people who I've seen who handle fame the best are the ones who do their best to deflect the fame. When the glory comes to the end, they give it away to somebody else. I had great people working with me and helping me out. Oh, if it wasn't for this and that. And they give fame, they give, they give the glory away as soon as it comes to them. They go, they know they're just, I'm just one bad picture away. I'm just one bad movie away. I'm just one bad album away to no one knowing who I am. And they just give that fame away and they don't carry that fame on them. They go, they'd rather go live in Montana somewhere on the ranch than they would in LA or New York because they don't like the spotlight. They just have learned to give fame away. That's why they've been able to handle and have success. Can I just tell you, we were made to give fame to God. We were made to make him famous. This is where my life finds purpose. This is where your life finds purpose. And when I chase after fame, 
for myself, I will crash. I will burn and it will always blow up in my face. I can't handle that kind of fame by myself. If I even do achieve it, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be healthy. It will destroy my family. It will destroy my life. Why? Because I was never meant to have it. But when I reverse that and say, but God, you were meant to be famous. God, I was meant to break you famous. I was made to make your name great. I was made to make you known. I was made to let people know how great my God is. I was made to know how good my God is. I was made to know my God can heal. My God can restore. My God brings back joy to my life as I get my purpose straightened out and realize he alone is worthy of the fame, then it renews my sense of worship. Then it renews what I'm made to do. That's why if you are pursuing ministry today, if you're a young person and you think, man, I, I want to I go, I want to go, I want to be a pastor, I want to I be a minister, I want to do this. Listen, if your desire to be in ministry is so you can get a following going on social media and see how popular you can be, you're doing it for the wrong reason. Listen, you're missing the point. The point is not to become famous. The point is to make God famous. Come on now. I've seen many, 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 and we've all seen it, uh, great ministry started out with great hearts, great intentions, solid teaching, and the more famous they got, the more they strayed from the word of the Lord because they were afraid of offending the people that made them famous. That's another message on itself. Sorry, I didn't mean to go there. All right. Let's get back to our text. John 17, 4 through 5. I brought glory. It's what Jesus said. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Think about that. He said, I brought glory to the Lord. This word glory, when you translate it, obviously it's what glory means. What am I famous for? What are you known for? But this particular glory, when you go back and study out the original meaning of the original text, it actually had more of the word anchor big rock. So what does that mean? That means he was saying, I'm here to bring people the anchor of which they are to live their life by. This is what you tie your life to. This is the firm foundation for your life. He says, I've come to bring the firm foundation that God is the heavy anchor. God is the heavy rock in your life. Psalm 61 says it like this in verse 2. From the ends of the earth, I call you. I call as my heart grows faint. He goes, lead me to the rock. Come on now. Lead me to the glory. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. It says there is, and listen, I, I may be known for this, but everybody needs to know this. God is my source of strength. God is my anchor. God is my rock. This is what I am called to do to make God famous. He is the rock in my life. We are created to worship him. We are not created to receive worship. And when that gets out of line in our life, we're setting ourselves up for a major fall and disaster. Have you ever been late for church, running around? Some of you are like, yeah, Pastor, you know what's today, okay? It happens, I know. You got kids, you got family, you're trying to get kids checked in, you couldn't find the right shoes, kids are coming to church, no matching socks, just put your shoes on, they won't know, and you're trying to do kids' hair as you're driving, and 
a little spit bath going on here. What, what did you get into? You, man, you just get in here and you get kids checked in. You sit down and church has already started and they're singing a song. And you're like, why are they singing that song? I don't know this song. I don't like this song. I don't even know how the word, I, don't, I can't even read the words, they're too small. I don't even know what they're singing. I hate this song. I guess I'm the only one ever felt that way, okay. <laughs> We're agitated, aggravated, don't even play my song, man. And then pretty soon you look around and you see, oh, there's a lot of people in my section, they're, they're singing. They're lifting their hands, they're lifting their voice, they're smiling. They're giving honor to the Lord. And pretty soon you're like, oh yeah, worship's not about me. That's not about what I want. Worship's about giving the honor to the Lord. It's not about what I prefer, it's about giving honor to the Lord. And so I'm giving it to the Lord. And pretty soon you, you start singing the song. And pretty soon as you sing, you're like, this ain't too bad, it's kind of catchy. You write it down. I'm going to look this up. I'm going to listen to this week. I'm going to come back next week. I'm going to have all the words memorized. And you start singing next week. You're like, yeah, hell lost another one. I am. And you're like, woo! Why? Because you made worship not about you. See, when we make worship about us, it loses the impact it's designed to have. But that's why we come together every week. Because we have to be reminded that worship is not about me. Because all week long, we hear just the opposite. Whatever makes you happy, Joe. Whatever makes you happy, Sue. Do you live your life according to what you want? Pursue your happiness. Pursue, pursue, only to realize that will lead to a place of emptiness, non-fulfillment in your life. The only way to be truly happy is to learn to submit and surrender your life to a God who created you. And so when I come into this place and environment, I look around and see others worshiping. It reminds me, oh yeah, I need to get engaged in worship. Oh yeah, I need to lift my hands and worship. Oh yeah, I need to lift my voice and worship. Oh yeah, I need to take notes and understand what's being preached from the word. Oh yeah, you know, come on now. It, it reminds me and it helps me stay connected that everything is not about me. Worship isn't about me. It's about him. We remember every single week, it's all about him. When I come into worship, I realize it's not about me, it's about him. See, worship keeps me grounded and centered. See, it keeps me connected of not feeling alone. When I worship, I realize, man, I belong to a much bigger family. And this is, this is my family right here. Lots of people in the first service, they're my family. And when I come to worship with them, I'm worshiping with my family. We're connected in our faith. We're connected in worshiping together. See, when we worship together, look at this. This is what happens. When we worship together, it reframes my fears and it restores my spirit. See, worship, I have all things that I'm fearful of during the week that start building up my life. But when I'm in the presence of God, all of a sudden, those things start shrinking in my life. Oh, yeah, God, you're bigger than my problems. God, you're bigger than my anxiety. God, you're bigger than the things I'm fearful of, and it helps my fears and anxiety begin to shrink, and it 
reshapes where I need to be, and it restores your spirit. Yeah, I'm in the presence of the Lord. It restores my spiritual man. My joy is being filled up. My cup is overflowing in the presence of the Lord. Where are my enemies? All right, I'm ready to take on this week. I'm okay. I just refueled my tank up. God, you renewed my vision. God, you renewed my purpose this week. It restores my spirit. Come on now, we can't abandon worshiping together. We need these things in our life. Let's renew. Our worship, come on now. How many say, I want to renew my worship? Let me hear you say amen. Let's renew our commitment to worshiping together. When you commit to studying his word, you're making God famous. When you commit to raising your kids in the house of the Lord, you're committed to making God famous. When you're committed to singing songs of praise in his presence, you are committed to making God famous famous, when you're committed to giving to the kingdom, you're committed to making God famous. When you're committed to serving his church, you're committed to making God famous. When you're committed to serving outside the church, you're committed to making God famous. When you're committed to sharing your story, how God changed your life, you're committed to making God famous. When you're committed to giving a one-day offering, you're committed to what? To making God famous. I'm telling you, our job is to make God famous. That's the way he designed us. Jesus said, my job was to know you and to make you known for all of your glory. For many people, let's be honest, this, public, this will be the only place you go all week long where 100% of the focus is on God. Everywhere else we go, it's not going to be there. You may have some focus on God and go in and out, but there's no other place, your work, your business, your, there's no other place you're going to go with 100% focus is upon God. That's why we come together. So it renews my focus. It makes sure I'm shrinking, he's elevating. It makes sure I'm making him known and not myself known. It makes sure I'm making God famous and not pushing fame for myself. This is, there's only, in case you don't know this today, let me just give it to you. There's only one celebrity at Destiny Church, and it's not me, and it's nobody else on this platform. There's only one celebrity, and that's God. Only he will be lifted up. Only he will be magnified. Only he will be exalted. If we're going to be a church that Jesus prays about, we've got to be a church that makes God famous, and we've got to be a church that keeps God's word. That's what he prayed. He prayed that they would keep your word. I was reading the other day about the Navy SEALs. Always been intrigued by the physical and mental challenge they put themselves through. That people actually sign up for this. To put themselves through this kind of torture. I mean, they stay up for days at a time and no food and swim the ice cold waters. And I mean, it's go, put themselves through some of the most uh, challenging mental and physical conditions. And then there's the Navy SEALs and then there's those who are the top Navy SEALs who get invited. It's the top of the top to join Navy SEAL 16. This is the elite teams. And it's the best of the best. And I was reading about when they try out that they're looking for both high athletic and high intelligence. So they're going to be highly athletic people and they're also going to be high IQ people. They're going to be both high performance and high in trustworthiness. 
that they're looking for both. And they found out, they said that when we have people who test out for trustworthiness and they test out for high performance, if we have someone who's the top high performance in their class, but they grade low in trustworthiness, we will not pick them because that person becomes a toxic team member. They have all the ability, but there's no trust there. As a matter of fact, we would rather take someone who's high on the trust level and take someone who's just average on the ability performance level. If they score high on the trust, we know we can succeed with people we can trust. The team will get formed and be strong and have a bond and it will accomplish the missions it needs to because there is trust that is there. I wonder how many of us understand this. Performance has a way of testing. But how do you measure trust? May I suggest to you that trust takes time. Trust just simply takes time. We're going to ask the question, can I, can I trust you with my money? Can I trust you with my family? Can I trust you to have my back? Can I trust you to be honest? Can I trust you to be truthful? Can I trust you to make wise decisions? Can I trust you to watch my children? I want Destiny Church to be a place where we're raising up Navy SEAL followers of Jesus. I want us to have people who are seen as trustworthy. In the room, we say, yes, I trust my kids with you. Yes, I trust my family with you. Yes, I trust you working with the finances. I trust you in doing this. I know you got my back. I know on my lowest day I can turn and you'll be there. And that only happens through getting involved. It only happens by being faithful. It only happens when you connect you got to be connected to produce this kind of fruit in your life. And it only happens over time. That's why I believe that we're getting ready to enter into some of the most fruitful years that Destiny Church has ever had. We've gone from the infancy stage to the struggling stage to the point now where God's setting us up. And you know, Pastor Gene ain't perfect, but you know what? He's here for the long haul. He ain't going nowhere. I can trust him. I can trust him to stay true to God's word. I can trust him. He's going to hold true to what God's word says. He's going to surround himself with wise people who give him wise counsel. And I want to produce people in our church that are just the same way, that you are trustworthy. People see you as trustworthy because when you're trustworthy, you point that God is who God says he is. We're called to make him famous and we're called to live us out, to live God's word out. That's what we're called to do. Look what it says in verses 13 and 14. Jesus said, now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. Look what he says. Jesus says, I have given them your word. And the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I got news for you today. When you're committed to God's word, people are gonna hate you. People are not gonna understand you. So you gotta be okay with not being liked by everybody. You gotta be okay if you're not gonna please everybody. When you commit to following God's word, you're like, some people aren't gonna like that. But that's okay, because Jesus says, when you follow the word, I've given you the word, follow the word, and then the world's not gonna like you. 
But you know what? That's not what's important. On the end of judgment day, what's important is, did I have my children in the house of the Lord? Do my children know they had a place on the ark? Do my children know there was a place of safety? Have I prepared my children to meet eternity? Have I prepared my family to walk through the challenges of life? Have I looked at the Lord and said, God says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Come on now. I want you to understand we are committed to giving people God's word at Destiny Church. That will not change. We are committed to teaching the whole truth of God's word. We are not going to ignore truth because it maybe offends somebody. We hold true to the whole word of God. What's that mean? That means everything taught at Destiny Church will be scripture backed. Doesn't mean we won't ever have somebody make a mistake, myself or somebody else. But the full intent will be this, to rightly divide the word as best as we can. We will not go away from that. It will be given to you. When someone preaches here, you can understand. I make sure and tell them. Make sure you can back up every thought you have with scripture. It must be scripture based. Why? Because the early church was committed to the apostles' teaching. Can I tell you, a Destiny Church, we are committed to worship and we're committed to God's word. We will have balance of both, but we will never, ever turn away from God's word. We will never, ever weaken God's word. We will never take away. We believe it is perfect as the way it is, that God has given us his grace, and God has given us his mercy. God has given us his Holy Spirit, and God still convicts us of places we need to change in our life. We won't turn away. It's a solid foundation on which we build our life. Have you ever read reviews people give for churches? <laughs> I remember early on when we started our church, there was a lady who came to our church. We had just went to two services. And I saw later, her first time there, she made a post about our church. And I noticed she made the post at 9, 10 a.m., I mean, you know, at 910, we're just barely getting through the first song, right? So she made a post, and she made a post, had nothing to do. She's like, you know what? Um, this church, if you, don't, if you don't dress a certain way, don't even bother coming here. If you're not preppy, don't even come here. If you're not good looking, don't even walk through the doors. I'm like, lady, look around. We got all types here, and all are welcome. Depending on the year, I'm on either side of the spectrum. You never know. Some years I've done better. Some years I'm not there. But you know, what is funny is I was like, you know, she hadn't heard, she hadn't heard a full worship set. She hadn't heard one word I preached. And she already just made her opinion on the church at 9, 10. And I was like, how silly that she would review a church based off of 10 minutes. Hasn't even heard the pastor preach. Nothing. Uh, you know, I wonder how it is. If God was to leave a review of our church. You ever thought about that? How would God review our church? As I think about that and look at that, I think God would have a lot to say about our church. I believe when God looks at a church and reviews a church, I believe he looks at the heart of the church. Because we see that throughout scripture. Where it says God didn't look on the appearance. He looked at the heart. That was a common thing throughout scripture. God looks at the heart. So I believe God would judge us according to our heart. Are we committed 
to making him known. Is Destiny Church committed to making God famous? Is Destiny Church committed to making him famous? Are we committed to his word? Are we staying connected to the vine? Are we faithful to him? I believe that's how God would review our church. And that can look a lot of different ways. That can be accomplished through a lot of different styles. And you can go to a style you prefer. That's great. But at the heart of it, are we making God known? Are we committed to his word? Is that still true today? At Destiny Church, look, as we close today, let me give this to you. At Destiny Church, we are committed to know God and to make him known. That's, that's what we're going to, real simple. Don't overthink it. That's what we're committed to. To know God and to make him known. We're committed to that. We want you to know God. We're going to teach you in a way that helps you know God. We're going to help teach you in a way you can understand. We're going to teach you in a way that challenges you to share your story, to share your pain, to share where you've come over the story as well. You have a story to tell. We want you to know God, and we want you to make him known. We're committed to teaching the whole word of God. That will not change. We will always be committed to teaching the whole word of God. And then we're going to teach followers to have a heart to worship him and him alone. Why? Because every time we leave here, everything's about me, 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 me. And so when we worship, it reminds myself, it reframes myself to realizing it's not about me, me, me. It's all about him, him, him. He alone is worthy. He alone is the one who died for me. He alone is the one who heals my mind. He alone is the one who forgives my sins. He alone is the one who restores my marriage. He alone is the one who restored my heart. He alone. And so as I worship him and him alone, it reframes my thoughts and it keeps me where I need to be, making him known. You are the one famous. I want to know you, Lord. Destiny, can I tell you this, that we have a community full of people who are lonely. We have a community full of people who are alone, who feel like they have no hope. Why are we keeping it to ourselves? Why do we not share it more often? Why do we not tell others? Because all of life comes down to just one thing, to know you, Jesus, and to make you known. That's it. And if that's what is important, as I begin to do that, the other things in my life fall into place.